Chai at the Women's Front, the internationalist podcast from the heart of the revolution. Welcome back to the Chai at the Women's Front podcast. We are here with another Chai break and today it's Vian and Arin here and also friend Zozan who joined us today to talk with us about the Revolutionary People's War and why is it important for revolution in Rojava but also for the revolutions and resistance movements in the whole world. Yeah, because it is the basis also for the society to retake their own power, like the power of the people from the state, um, to also defend against the state. And um, she talks about the self-defense structures in Rojava and how all the people are part of it with all their different colors. And in this way, showing how the society is one in the Revolutionary People's War, with different roles, but everyone taking their responsibility and in this way, creating freedom. Demvash and hello from the liberated areas of Rojava. I want today speak a little bit about the Revolutionary People's War. And this is a strategy how we defend ourselves as a revolution. And like every part of our self-defense, This is based on the principle of the rose uh, that is according to the philosophy of Abdullah Öcalan. And the principle of the rose means that every being, every living thing in the world has uh, a mechanism to defend itself, like the rose has its thorn. But especially the people, the human being, but also groups like the women, like the youth, they forgot this part of how to defend themselves and it's now our task as a revolutionary organization to uh, give the people back their ability to defend themselves and to make them yeah to make them learn and see that they have the power to defend them uh, themselves and also the people next to them so this whole revolutionary people's war is about the self-defense of the people, not about gaining power. It's about getting back responsibility and that you can influence your own destiny again. Um, it's also about to defend your life, the land you live on and the people, of course, next to you. It's not only about uh, weapons, but it's also about a philosophy and an attitude that you are responsible and that you are not dependent on another force, especially not uh, dependent on the state. So first of all, the strategy is led by three forces, the professional army, the armed people within the society and the people itself. But you cannot really divide it that sharp because like everyone is actually from the society and connected to it. So, for example, also the people that are in the professional army are out of the society and they are still connected to the society, actually fight and struggle for the society. So it's not like a military force that is belonging to someone else, like to the state, and it actually has nothing to do anymore with the society and the needs and interests of the society. It's still one. You always have to see these three forces as one and as belonging to the society. 
So the first force I said is the professional army. You can also say the guerrilla, but um, in Rojava it's the SGF and as uh, for example the Yepege and the Yepege are belonging to this uh, self-defense forces. They're like a professional army, um, so people join this army and then learn and uh, they're getting trained to fight. And the first task of them is to defend the liberated areas and the revolution from attacks from outside. Then you have the civil defense forces. They are called here in Rojava Hepeje and Hepejejin. They are responsible for the security inside of the society. But of course, if the enemy comes from outside but is attacking the communities, they are also responsible for uh, defending uh, these communities. And if, if there's an attack from actually inside, like we had this year in Heseke, where there was this outbreak of the ISIS prisoners, they are also taking their responsibility. And especially in this out prison outbreak in Heseke, we could uh, see that especially like these civil defense forces um, were playing a huge role and a huge part in pushing back ISIS and getting back the city under control. So there are autonomous self-defense structures of different communities in a city or also in a village. And often these civil defense forces are led by older people, grandparents, like social authorities, authorities in the communities. Because they know the communities very well. They live there for a long time. They know the people. They know the needs. But of course people of every age can come together and like join the civil defense forces. They organize themselves and they're responsible of the security together with the security council of the community. And therefore they have meetings, they have educations, they analyze the situations, they get in contact with the people, talk with them, what are the problems, what are the needs. And because they are directly in the community, they know of course this community very well and they know very well what is needed. So they are not like an outside power that is taking up some measures, but actually it's not according to the real life of the people and the real needs of the people. Um, and they also educate, of course, the people in the neighborhood how to defend themselves, how to act in different situations. So actually they are important to make security and self-defense again to a collective issue of a community. And they are not working like a police or something like that. So they actually want to solve conflicts. They want to solve the problems of the community that are connecting to security within the community. And only if there's no way to solve it in the community, they go to the next level and um, try to solve it there. So in both structures, in the Hepeje, in the Civil Defense Forces, and also in the SDF, the Professional Army, you have autonomous women's units. And they not only fight for the freedom and the self-determination of the people, but of course also for the liberation and the self-determination of the women. And together we find a new way and a new understanding of armed fight and struggle. What is the meaning to take up arms? What is the meaning to join a military structure? Like 
and to build up a new actually understanding of this armed struggle uh, besides and away from this logic of the state military that is really connected to this male mentality. So and I can tell an example of the Hepeje Jin when they were new founded the men from the Hepeje they were like saying oh these mothers what are they doing now they're fearing firearms and now they're like patrolling the streets and they want to build up security here what are they actually doing so they were like a little bit suspicious of that but then actually there was an action in the Campe Hole and the friends were asking like from the official uh, official security forces they were asking like uh, who wants to join these actions and from 100 men only two raised their arm and said okay i want to join this action and then every single woman of the 45 members of happy Jin, they raised their arm and they wanted to join this action so you can really see that especially like the women are really committed to this task of civil of the civil defense forces because they uh, really want to they want to protect their families they want to protect the community uh, yeah and like the third force are the people themselves and there you can also say that especially women and the youth are playing a really important role because they are the most oppressed groups within a society and therefore they have the biggest interest to rise up to resist and they have a huge huge power um, that you can build up and with these two groups leading actually this revolutionary people's war uh, you can really build up or you are actually we are building up a big and great resistance so I want to give two other examples, like the first one is from Kobane, where really a whole city rose up against the attacks of ISIS and successfully defended their city. I think you all heard about this resistance of Kobane. It was also in Europe, really, and uh, went through the press and everyone was like, wow, how could that be? ISIS, such a big fear also of the Western world, and they couldn't. Um, occupy the city. Why couldn't they occupy the city? Because everyone from the mother to the child to the old men, they were saying like, we will not leave. We will take up resistance. So the youth from all over Kurdistan, they went to the front lines. The mothers, they were in the streets. There are these great pictures you maybe saw with these mothers or these old grandmothers even that have their weapons. And they are just saying, we will not go, we will stay here because this is our place to be. This is our home and we will defend our home. And because really the whole city was um, together taking up resistance the enemy could not take over the city and another example i want to give i joined the emergency meeting before the war of Serakani, where a whole village came together and they were discussing how to prepare for the war and of course not everyone can join the armed struggle but that's also not the point at all of a revolutionary people's war they were discussing who can join according to his or her own situation 
So some were saying, I can give infrastructure, like if you need a house for a hospital, for ammunition depot, for a shooting position, or a place where friends can sleep, can take a little bit rest. I can give you a house, I can give you my garden. Or others were saying, I will cook for the fighters. Like there are actually many different ways how you can join this resistance. It's not only about taking up arms, taking up weapons. And after this community was discussing these points, um, there came up the question, who wants to learn how to shoot? And every single woman was raising her arm and said, I want to learn. I want to learn in the case that I have to use a weapon, how to use it to protect my family. So, but as I already said, like it's not only to learn to deal with, uh, with weapons, but it's, only, uh, it's also how to act when there's an air attack, how to deal with food shortage. Actually, all in all, it's about how we build up a peaceful community and how can we protect it. So unlike the enemy is not only attacking in a military way, self-defense is also not only about taking up arms. Like if you know you can defend yourself, you will not leave, you will fight. And if we look on especially the last attacks of the Turkish state, but also this whole strategy of low-intensity warfare, we see that Turkey actually wants to spread fear among the people. Turkey wants the people, especially the Kurdish people here, but also all the people that live uh, in the area of Rojava, they, Turkey wants them to leave. And then Turkey wants to come and take over their land and actually destroy it if we look on Afrin, for example, or on the already occupied um, territories. So, but if the people know I can defend myself, like if Turkey is attacking, I know what to do and I know how to protect my home, my family, my future actually. They will not leave, they will resist because they feel responsible also. So this whole uh, meaning of this revolutionary people war is to take back your own security and to take back this responsible for it and actually to get back the thorn of your rose.